I want to start off uh, this morning. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke 2. Uh, obviously, we would usually have it up on screen. Uh, obviously, we don't today. So, uh, hope you have your Bibles with you. Turn to Luke 2. I'm going to start off and I'm going to read uh, verse 7 through 17, part of the classic Christmas story. Luke 2, beginning verse 7, and again I'll read through verse 17. It says, And she, Mary, gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region there were shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly afraid. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them, about this child. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to worship. We come to your word. And dear Lord, we thank you for this Christmas season. We thank you for the manger. We thank you for the Christ child. Today, dear Lord, I pray that we would see him for who he truly is and who he fully is, and that is Savior, and that is Lord, that is Christ. I thank you that you show us this in your word. I pray that we would have eyes to see. Pray that we would have hearts to listen and be open. And anything that may be blocking your word and your spirit and your will for our lives, I pray by the power of Jesus in his name that you just push that aside and that we would be fresh and open and ultimately fulfilled by Christ. In his name, amen. Okay, I'm going to share with you a, uh, a very, uh, very brief testimony of uh, someone who has been sharing the gospel, as we like to say, but has used this opportunity of this campaign to uh, pray for people to share Jesus. And so listen to this, it's going to be anonymous, and um, I'm going to kind of paraphrase so you won't be able to figure out, you know, who it is, because I know some of y'all will try, so... Here it goes. It says, uh, I'm so thankful that this season our church is encouraging others to reach out and make a difference for Christ. I admit I've always been involved and active in church. I grew up in a church, uh, even continued to attend while at Ole Miss. Praise God. That was mine. That wasn't her. I continued to attend while at Ole Miss um, and attended after college till now. I am so many years old, not going to say that, and have never realized how important it is that each person try to reach out to others. I've always tried to let my actions be my words and deeds to show Christ to others, and I do think that's important. However, 
what better way to show God's love than tell someone you've never met that you would pray for them. I cannot think of a better gift to share than the gift of prayer. I've always tried to do little things daily, like let a car go in front of me, let someone in front of me at the grocery store, leave Christmas happies in the mail uh, for the mailman, do the garbage. I try to give the UPS a cold bottle of water when he delivers on a hot day, maybe hot chocolate on a cold day. I could go on and on and on. However, my point is I've never told one person about Christ that I didn't know or tell someone I didn't know that I would pray for them. I think we need to do both, and because of our church, I will continue to try to step out of my comfort zone for Christ. After all, look at what Christ has done for us, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. I decided a while back to make it a habit to try to make a difference in someone's life each day, even in a small way. When I put my head down at night, I try to rethink what I did that day to make a difference. I'm so excited I've been able to add to this list that I've shared verbally about Christ. I've prayed for a bag boy at Kroger and then told him. I prayed for the yard man at the next door neighbor's house. In return, they both shared prayer requests and shared how much it meant. Thank you so much for believing in all of us and believing we can make a difference individually on our own. Thank you. Praise God. Love that. I mean, live for that kind of stuff. And um, give that anonymous person a hand. I mean, that's a, you know, come on. Um, and, and honestly, I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. I mean, well, let me, let me be real. You know, if you have Christ in your life, it does begin with faith. I mean, we're not works-based. I mean, nothing you do, not sharing your faith is going to get you to heaven. I mean, it just starts inside just, just believing and anybody can do that. I mean, even anybody can just, just start there. Just believe. Hey, Jesus, Son of God, Jesus came to save my life. Just start. It's, it's that simple, faith. Then I believe that God does something inside of you through Christ. I mean, it's a work inside, and you're growing internally. But then the last step is there, there has to be this change. I mean, there's this change in your life where external things are different. You know, you're, you're different outwardly. So yes, it starts with faith, and yes, God works in your life, but then there's a change, so, so ultimately your actions reflect that faith. And you know what we're trying to do with this campaign, and I call it a campaign because churches like to say campaign, but it's usually about, you know, it's usually about money, honestly. And what if we turn that on its head and say, we're going to do a campaign to see how many lives we can touch through prayer and through acts of love. That's a campaign that, that man, I'll give to. So, but what I really want to do is to help us to see that it's not really just something we do in a three-week period. It's a way of life. I mean, it, it's, it's the gospel working in us, starting with faith, and then through us to, to a world in need. And I hope if nothing else, I mean, even if we don't, you know, I mean, numbers are numbers, and we can reach 5,000 or we can't. But, hey, that's honestly just a starting point. What I hope you see is this is a way of life. ...that Jesus wants us to cultivate, that our church wants to cultivate. And, you know, honestly, if, if we're not reaching out, then, then we're dying. I heard one pastor say this, if you don't evangelize, you fossilize. you got a choice, evangelize or fossilize. I think that's true for every believer. If you don't share your faith in some way, it's, it's not about us. I mean, it's not about us as individuals. And then same as the church, if we don't evangelize, we'll just fossilize. And I've seen lots and lots of fossilized churches... So what I want us to know, to get more into our DNA that, yes, it's about faith. And yes, about the work Christ does in us. But then at a point, man, we, we share that. We're changed. And when we do that, when churches do that, then truly, and y'all have heard me say this before, then truly the local church is the hope of the world. I don't say that like as a cliche. I don't say that because, 
you know, it sounds good and I'm a pastor of a child. Say it. I mean, it's, it's God's plan A in Scripture and there was never a plan B. The local church is the hope of the world. Communities of Christ gathered together and then reaching out to help a hurting, broken world. That's, that's, that's the hope of the world. And the trick the devil pulls for us, and he does pull a, a just, I mean, just blindsides us, is to get us to thinking that the local church isn't the hope of the world. And to think that other things are. And maybe, you know, we can look out in culture of the world or the message we hear, hey, education's the hope of the world. Nope, it's not. Hey, a, uh, a way of living is the hope of the world. Democracy, all that. And I love living in this country, being American, but it's not the hope of the world. Hey, progress or technology is the hope of the world. Nope, it's not that either. The hope of the world is Jesus' church. And see, what happens is when a church is, is off focus or when a church isn't focused on sharing the gospel or reaching people for Christ, then it starts getting messy. Because it starts getting internal. And some of us have had messy church experiences before, right? And we lose hope in the church. But man, what, what I pray and what I stand here and say will never happen here is we're not going to lose focus, as in focus of the great commandment to love God and love our neighbor. Focus of the great commission to go and make disciples. It's really pretty simple. Some, a pastor mentor of mine told me this. The church, all I'm supposed to do is help one another love Christ so then they can help someone else know Christ and then help that person share Christ. You know Christ, share Christ, where that person will share Christ. And if you have a church doing that, it's the hope of the world. Today, amen. Thank you. I missed you. Missed you down there. They just had a, a baby and so they've been out. But uh, praise God. Uh, the liqueurs. So anyway, get back on track. Why, uh, you know, I talked last week about some reasons why we don't share. And another reason today, not really another reason, but thinking about why we don't share. You know, why, you know, we have faith and then we can, you know, let God work in us. But then, you know, sometimes we, we're hesitant about either sharing our faith. We're hesitant about extending the gospel, you know, do, evangelize. All those are churchy words. We, we hold back. And one of the big reasons I think we don't is because of how we know Jesus. How we know Jesus. Who we know Jesus is in our life. And here's what I mean by that. Christmas, more so than any other holiday. More so than Easter. Easter is the more important holiday, let me say that. But Christmas really offers us a choice, a very clear choice about how we see Jesus. Okay? Here's what I mean by that. Do we see Jesus as the sweet baby in the manger? Or do we see Jesus as the Lord the angels proclaimed? Is your Jesus... Whom you worship, whom you're here worshiping, is your Jesus the, ba- the beautiful, sweet baby, and that's true and all that? Or is he Lord of your life? And Christmas, see, it offers this, this image of two Jesuses. And I think sometimes we don't share, and honest, I mean, this is just like brutally honest, and you know I'm never brutally honest, but anyway, brutally honest, a lot of times we focus so much on the baby in the manger and we miss sight of Christ as Lord, as Savior. Of our lives. And sometimes when we're just so focused on the sweet child, we may not really know him as Lord of our lives. And then but we wouldn't share. But I think if we know him as Savior, if we know him as Lord, if we know him as, man, I mean, he Savior of the world, and that has to change your life. I mean, something happens. It's transformative. But so often it doesn't because we miss that. 
So I want us to see today, let's look in the scripture again, the, um, a couple verses out of the story that I read. Uh, first, start off with verse 7 again. If you look at this verse, it says, Mary, she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for him, no room for them in the inn. Now, that one verse, again, just, it's so sweet. It's so precious. I mean, we all have these images. We see it constantly this time of year. The nativity scenes, the Christ child, the Mary, the Joseph, the animals, the hay, you know, all that. We love that. I love that. But that can often be our Jesus. That's our Jesus. It is most of the world's Jesus. Let me tell you what I mean by that. It's most of the world's Jesus because we live in a world that says, okay, hey, let's, let's make it out all religions are equal and we'll throw Christmas in with the holiday season and this is the whole the happy holidays versus Merry Christmas because, you know, it's one of the rest of the religions, Hanukkah and New Year's. and So happy holidays, but, you know, it's not the main focus, Merry Christmas. I mean, our world looks at that Jesus. I was watching a movie this weekend. It's a Christmas movie. I'm not going to tell you the name of it. You're like, you were watching that movie? But um, it's a Christmas movie. And it was very, very, very non-Christian. But they had a nativity scene in it. And they had the kids. And, you know, like, like we were today in the children's choir. But, you know, it was at a school and the nativity scene. And just so, I mean, the movie itself was not about Christ at all. But it showed, you know, and the people in it were not Christian. But they showed them, hey, giving honor to this nativity scene. So that's, that's how the world looks at Jesus. That's how non-Christians look at Jesus. I mean, non-Christians, I mean, I've talked to them, you've talked to them, say, hey, okay, we'll give you, we'll give you this, this Jesus, you know, it was, a, it was a literal birth and it happened, so he was a guy, but he was not Savior. I mean, he was a good teacher and all that, and, you know, maybe semi-prophet and all. I mean, that's, that's how much of non-Christians think. It's even for a lot of the folks who come on the Christmas Eve services. And you know these people, this son or, or daughter or brother or sister who was raised in the church and then left and says, hey, all religions are really equal. And they come and they sit, you know, at Christmas Eve and say, okay, I'll come for the family. But man, there's a bunch of loonies around here thinking this. But they give credit saying, okay, I, I believe maybe he, he lived and maybe he was born and maybe he grew up to be a teacher. But that's what a lot of non-Christians think. And get this, it's what so many churchgoers think. I mean, it really is. That the Jesus we worship, they relegate him to the baby, the Christ child. I mean, we put out our nativity scenes. We come Christmas Eve service. We love that. I love that. But we don't see him as Lord. That's kind of a bold statement that I would make. And why do I make that statement? Because I see over and over again, churchgoers, not just here, all over the place, still have a lot of doubt in their lives. Still have a ton ton of unforgiveness ton of unforgiveness. Still have, uh, still have pride. Big time pride. Big time pride. Still have hopelessness. I mean, hopelessness. When, when Christ is hope. I mean, Christ, if you have Christ, I mean, you should have all the hope in the world. I mean, you have your destiny is secure. And he says, I'm going to give you life here too. And I see and I hear and I talk and I see other churchgoers who literally, there's, it's like there's no hope in their life. And they're full of pride, and they're full of unforgiveness. And they have doubt and all this. And so I'm like, yeah, I think your Jesus is, is, is like the baby in the manger. And it's sweet, and you honor it and all that. But, I mean, is he, is he really Lord of your life? 
So what does that look like? I mean, what does it look like for Jesus to, to be Lord of your life? Well, let's look at the Jesus the angels proclaimed. Verse 9 through 11 here. Here it says, An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. But the angel said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. What is looking like, what does looking at Jesus like that mean for us? Well, he says, the angels say, first it was glory of the Lord. I mean, there was, there was glory, there was power, there was light, there was music, there was, you know, worship service, night of worship, concerts, times, you know, a gazillion angels in the sky. The glory of the Lord. There was something supernatural that happened. And let me just say, I mean, I believe in the power of the supernatural. And, you know, a lot of times we, we think, man, that's not real. Look, the Bible said that the heavens were opened. Light came out. The glory of God shone forth. That glory of God is still present through Christ. When I say supernatural, I mean pray. People can gather together in prayer, and I believe people can be healed. Now, definitely, don't hear me wrong. I mean, I would definitely believe in medicine and doctrine and all that, but I, I believe that the glory of the Lord can still shine forth and supernatural things can happen. That's right. Amen. Praise God. That people can be healed and emotions can be healed and people can be reconciled. Not through us, but through something outside this world that saves this world. Christ, through the glory of God. But then sometimes we get fearful of all that and we get like weirded out, you know, I don't know, supernatural stuff, you know, like it's safe. What do the angels say? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And we can have such fear if we, if, you know, if we take a step of faith. My wife said like this, when she was saved, she was, like, she was right up here at the precipice, and she said, I never could take the step because I knew I was going to fall off. And finally she said, I just wasn't going to be afraid. I took the step of faith. Well, the angels say, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of life change. Do not be afraid of life transfer. Do not be afraid of supernatural things. Do not be afraid of Christ changing your life. Do not be afraid. That's Christ as Lord. Then they say, I bring you good news. Wait, let me make sure. Good news. It didn't say bad news, right? I bring you good news. Good news. As in like the best news we'll ever know. The best news we'll ever have. What is that good news? Remember that thing you did, you know, back when you were young? Or maybe that thing you did last night? Hopefully, if you did that last night, you're here today. But you know, that thing you did, hey, that could be wiped away. You know that lifestyle that you live, you know, you know that, that unforgiveness you carry in your heart, that can be washed away. You know, um, you know how you think you're always trying to make yourself better and get saved by your own efforts? You don't have to do that anymore. It just starts with faith. It's good news. You don't have to work at it. It can be washed clean. It's free. And the rest of the good news is, you know, you're going to have life for the rest of your life here, and then there is no death. Did, did, I, did I have to mention that? There is no death? As in like you live forever. That's good news. That's good news. So those people that you miss and you've lost, they're not dead. They're alive. They're rejoicing. And you can be with them again. Good news. Have good news. And then for all people. As in like, you know, maybe if you don't have the right people, as we like to say in, down here. Or maybe you're born on the wrong side of the tracks. Or, or maybe, you know, your parents split. Or maybe your parents are in jail. Or, you know, hey, for all people. For you. Maybe different color, different language for all people. 
And he, they even go as far to say it, the city of the angels say David. David, who was a big adulterer? David, who was a murderer? For all people. It's good news. Good news. A Savior. I say this over and over again, over and over again. Savior, as in nothing else is going to save you. Nothing's going to save us. Not our degrees, our education, not our careers, not even our, man, I love my family, but not even our families can save us. But a Savior has been born who will save us, who is Christ the Lord. Last thing about the angel said, Christ the Lord. A lot of people don't know this, that, um, you know, it was Jesus, but then Jesus Christ is Jesus Christos. Christos is Greek. And with Christos, I mean, it does mean Lord. And during the early church, the, um, the Romans, you know, Caesar was Christos. They would say Kaiser Christos, Kaiser Christos, as in Caesar's Lord. And they would urge these Christians to do it. They're like, dude, just say Caesar's Lord, and then you're not going to be thrown to the lions. And they would say, Jesus is Christos. All right, take him away. Jesus Christos, cut his head off. They, would, they always said, he is Lord. Is it like Lord of the universe? Is it like Lord of our lives? And there is no other Christos. There is no other Lord. That's good news. It's good news that He can live in our hearts. He can save us today. So, you know, the, again, Christmas offers us this stark contrast. Two very true scenes, both very true. But it's how we know Jesus. Do we know Him as the Christ of the manger? Christ child, true, good. Or do we know him the Christ that the angels proclaimed? I hope, I hope we know him, maybe starting today, as the Christ that the angels proclaim. And when that happens, when you do, what happens in your life? I mean, like, what does that look like? I think you begin living a life of going to see and going to share. Let me tell you what I mean by that. One verse. First, going to see. What did the shepherds do when the angels proclaimed, when they saw the glory of God? What did they do? They said, verse 15, let us go straight to Bethlehem and see... And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. I mean, when the glory of God penetrates into your life, and when you are changed, you're like, man, I've got to see this. I've got to see it. Then it was Bethlehem. What is it today? First, it's God's Word. I mean, you see the glory of God, and you see Christ in God's Word. And I urge you, some of you may not be used to like doing a daily devotion, some of you may not be used to reading the Bible. Hey, just start in the book of John. Billy Graham said, if I just had one book on a desert, I'd take John. I, I trust Billy Graham. I do. Start with the book of John. And then read through the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Then read Acts. And see Jesus. And see your salvation. What else? Hey, you've got to have, I've said this, you've got to have a smaller group. Jesus wasn't wrong. I mean, the way he did it wasn't that bad. He had his 12. Actually, he had his three first, and then he mentored 12. And you've got to have people around you, whether it's three, whether it's four, whether it's six, whether it's 12. But Christian brothers and sisters that are going to hold you accountable, they are going to uplift you, that are going to encourage you, they're going to love you, they're going to pray for you, and then you in return can give to them. Go and see Jesus. And then last and you got to have the church. you got to have a body. As, as messy as some churches can be, again, it's God's plan A and there's no plan B. And the, the miracle of church is that what God does is he's using us, a lot of crooked, broken lines, and making them straight through the power of the Holy Spirit. So what happens when you know Christ is the Lord? 
you start going to see him in his word, in Christian relationships. And some relationships may have to die, you know, that don't hold you up or that aren't Christian at all. And be a part of a body, be a part of the church. So you go see, but then you go and share. So it's a life of seeing and sharing. Because what do the, what do the shepherds do after they, after they see? Verse 70 says, When they had seen this, when they had seen the Christ child, when they had seen Jesus, they made known the statement which had been told them about the child. When they had seen him, they made known the statement told about the child. See, we got, we got a world of hurt out there. Some of you have worlds of hurt in your families that you need to go and share. But there, there's a, a world of hurt out there. The numbers say there's 125,000 that either don't have a relationship with Christ in the metro area or don't have a church home. And that's just the folks who, again, don't have a church home. There's a world of hurt still with folks in our church that we can share Jesus about. And when we really know him as Lord, I think we're unashamed and we're unapologetic. And maybe it's in simple, small ways like just how can I pray for you? Or maybe it's in bold ways like do you know Christ as Lord? And loving someone through that and trying to help them find him as Lord. But we want to share the gospel. And that's, that's why we're doing what we're doing this, these couple weeks. No one should be lonely because everyone has an opportunity to have Christ in their life. And if we've got him, the man, it needs to just flow out of us and we share him. And I'm trying to give just, just simple ways that you can. One is just, man, just saying, how can I pray for you? Man, you should say, I've encountered this several times over the last couple of weeks, and I know several other folks have. Just like, you know, if I'm getting a cup of coffee or a waiter at lunch and just saying, hey, our church really just doesn't want anybody to be uh, alone or feel alone. Is there just anything we can pray for you about? And it's just like, they're steamrolled, you know? They don't know what to say. It's like, wow. That's, that's how we should be living all the time. Or inviting somebody. You know, I love our nights of worship. And you know why? It's because there's so much like, you know, so much kind of resistance. Hey, you're inviting me to your church service. And all these churches are just trying to get bigger. And yeah, I mean, you know how it is. Like it's competition. So if you invite them to church, they feel like yeah, you're just trying to, you know, just get me to come to church. But we're saying, hey, no, this is just a community event. You know, this is night of worship. Just come. I mean, it's free. And just, just see some wonderful, fantastic music. You know, I mean, you can do that. Say, I'm not even trying to get you to come to my church. Just come to night of worship. You can do that. And then simply loving on folks. Let me give you two examples of, of groups that are coming together to love on people. One is Good Morning Girls. It's the online, you know, group of women. What they're doing is that they're baking cakes and going to uh, uh, firemen at fire stations across the city and just, just giving these cakes. And they'll do it over the next week. And, you know, my wife had called a fireman and just said, hey, can we just come, you know, give cake? And they, they're like blown away. Like, what? Is this a joke? You know? So if you want to make some cakes, you know, just shoot out a good morning, girls. Uh, one of our small groups, one of our B groups, is uh, just said, hey, we, we're going to hit a Highland Village, you know, peak shopping time. I think it's this Saturday. And just give out candy canes. And night of worship tickets. It's just easy, little small acts of grace. It's not like, hey, if you died tonight, do you know? You know, it's, we're not talking about that. It's talking about simple acts of kindness, acts of love. Just, and usually God opens a door. It may be immediately. It may be, you know, 
may have a little time, but God will open a door if we take that step of faith. So, you know, what, what I want, what I want for all of us is to know Christ as Lord. Yes, man, baby, Christ child, nativity scenes. We got like 10 nativity scenes in our house. Love them, you know, love them. And it's true. But know him as Lord. How do you know if you know him as Lord? Some of you probably are asking, how do I know if he's Lord or not? Say this, do you live a life of seeing and sharing? Do you love to say, I mean, I've got to see Jesus every opportunity I can. And then sharing. And if you don't, and if you're here today, if you're here today and you say, I don't know Jesus, like, I don't live a life of seeing and sharing. Think about it like this. You know, we read this passage, Luke 2, this Christmas story. Love it. Beautiful story. And sometimes I think we get hung up by the, the way, not the way it's written, but like, you know, there's Joseph and Mary and they go to Bethlehem. He's born, shepherds, all that. Sometimes we get hung up on the timeline of that. Here's what I mean by that. Imagine yourself as a shepherd. I mean, sometimes we're just, you know, we're reading it and okay, we got it. But do me a favor, turn it around and be careful. If you do this, it may just literally turn your world around. Kind of turn it around and imagine yourself as a shepherd. And, you, and, you know, I mean, we're all shepherds looking for the good shepherd. But, so we're out there, or you're here, and the glory of God comes into your life. Maybe it's through a person. Maybe it's through an event. Maybe it's through a night of worship. Maybe it's through a certain... But the glory of God, and you see God, you see Christ as Lord. He enters into your life. And then as a shepherd, you say, I want to go see this. I want to go see this. And that's when you go and you see this, this Christ the Lord, this Savior that the angels proclaimed. And you see him as this, this humble baby, humble baby, but in straw with animals around. Poor, and you say, I just saw angels, I just saw the heavens open up. And now I see this, this child and Savior and and at that point, I believe, I believe if you've got a pulse and you just, you just want to drop to your knees and you say, my God, that literally our, our God has humbled himself to this as a child. And not even a, a child, but a, a child living in poverty. You just, want to, you just want to like bow down before him because you know in your hearts and I know and you know that we do everything we can to promote ourselves. And our God has humbled himself. And I believe when that happens, you say, God, forgive me. And then he says, it's okay. You're forgiven. That is, that is Lord. That is Savior. And if you don't know Jesus like that, I invite you to know Jesus like that today. Because that is what happened. Your invitation today, your response is simply to know Jesus as Lord, as the Lord the angels proclaimed. Your invitation is to respond to Jesus as Lord. Your invitation is to begin living a life of seeing and sharing Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I, I, we can't thank you enough for the good news. Because when we really know how good the news is, it, it can floor us. 
But the great news is, is that it can change our life. And dear Lord, I, I pray for today, I pray for life change starting right now. I pray for marriage change starting right now. I pray that we look at this Christmas story and we begin that he's Christ our Lord. And that you humbled our, yourself so much and you came to us. And that we are broken down and that we do repent. And we do that, you say, man, it is, it is over, it is wiped away. And then you change our life. I pray that this week, dear Lord, that, that lives would change. Prayer night of worship, lives would change. I pray Christmas Eve, lives would change. Because we're, we're not here just to do church, we're here to be church. And being church is about life change. And being church is about salvation. And being church is about there is only one Christos, and that is Jesus. I thank you for your good news. Better news than than anything we can ever, ever see, hear, know, feel, your word. I pray it impacts lives today that they are changed. In Jesus' name, amen.